0: Awesome. Well, hey, welcome to Genesis. Man, you guys look great tonight. You guys look awesome. Um, (laughs) My name is Mike, and uh, I'm the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came to the door tonight that you felt comfortable and invited. And I also hope that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we are glad that you're here. Tonight, we are continuing our series, Fake News where we are debunking popular misconceptions about Christianity. And so far, we've talked about the myth that Christianity is exclusive. And then last week, Corey talked about the myth that Christianity solves all of your problems. And tonight, we're going to tackle the myth that Christianity is anti-intellectual. The myth that Christianity is anti-intellectual comes from the fact that some of us believe blindly what people tell us about God without ever thinking twice about it. People believe that Christians aren't allowed to think. And this is a subject similar to when we talked about mental health, that when I Uh, got deeper into it, I realized it was a much bigger conversation than I had realized. And uh, and so to begin tonight, I wanted to do a a little illustration that will get the conversation started. So as you can tell, I am wearing glasses tonight. (laughs) Yes, Uh, thank you. My vision is terribly bad, uh, and so when people ask me, are you near or farsighted, I say both. Uh, I, I don't see very well at all, and uh, I usually wear contacts, but I wanted to wear glasses tonight to prove to you how bad my vision is. And so we're going to do this little exercise. Where is Abijah at? Where are you? I, okay, I see I see you. I see you. I see you. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, he doesn't, he doesn't know about this, okay? Can you do me a favor? All right, can you go to the very back, like right between those two chairs back there, between... Uh, Aaron and McKenna will work. All right, not yet, but in a second, I want you to just hold up a number with your fingers, like one one through five, okay? Um, And what I'm gonna do is I'm going to answer yes or no, whether I can see it or not. And we're gonna keep moving him up until I can see it, okay? Sound good? All right, here we go. (laughs) I'll leave. Wow, I did this earlier, but without the the lights were on. So, all right, you, do you have a number? Yeah, I don't. I don't really know if you do or not. Um, so no. So just move up a row. Just make people uncomfortable. It's fine. Move up a row. I'll start from where I started. Are you okay? I don't. I don't even see Abijah. Okay. Um. All right. Uh. No. I'm like looking over here. Like, <laughs> um, is that him? Move. I see movement over here. Okay, I don't know who that. I love you, whoever you are. Okay, no. Um, no. I can at least tell where he is now, which is good. No, not even close. Is it two? Thank you, everybody. Awesome. So, uh, if I am without my glasses, you could tell me uh, that you're holding up the number two in this case or whatever, and I would obviously have no idea. I couldn't even tell that Abijah was even in the room. Uh, You guys just look like a bunch of uh, shapes and weird things. So, um, you could tell me anything, uh, and I would have to believe it. He could have been holding up uh, and telling me, oh, this I'm holding up three and not really even me holding up three. It could have been a four for all I knew. Why? Because I can't see it for myself. But if I do the work to go to the eye doctor to get a prescription and then make the effort to either put my contacts in or wear glasses, then I can see clearly enough to know what the number is. The myth that Christianity is anti-intellectual comes from the fact that some of us believe blindly what people tell us about God without ever putting our glasses on. That's the root of the myth that Christianity is anti-intellectual. You have to be aware sometimes that people want you to believe what they say, and they don't want you to think about it. They don't want you to put your glasses on. So in life, you gotta be willing to make an effort to do that, to make an effort to put your glasses on and see the things of God clearly for yourself. And some of this uh, stems from the fact that a lot of times questions about our faith, about what we believe are ignored or, or looked over. And frankly, the the church hasn't been the most welcoming to questions or the most welcoming doubts. You know, questions or doubts about creation, about the Bible, about science, about controversial issues. A lot of times those doubts or questions are addressed by someone saying, oh, uh, just don't think about it. Or, uh, you know, that's just not important. Or stop asking so many questions. You shouldn't be afraid to ask questions as a believer. And so tonight I want to paint the the, first paint the problem of this subject and then we'll look into how we can approach it. And I want to mention this is one of the reasons that I love Genesis because we get to talk about things like this. Um, and so, uh, you know, because this is you know this is far from a simple subject, uh, but I'm going to try to make it make it make as much sense as possible for you guys tonight. Um, and so, is everybody cool with like talking about like something deep tonight? Okay, um, feel free to talk back to me tonight. I know Marie's gonna have no problem. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So feel free to talk back to me tonight. Like give me some nods, like let me know you're following me um, because this is going to be a fun one. So let's pray and then we will jump in. God, I thank you so much for bringing us here tonight. God, I thank you that you are a good God. And I thank you for the opportunity it was to worship you. And I also thank you for everybody sitting in these seats tonight. God, every chair is a soul. Every soul has a story. And so, God, I pray that this is a little part of that story tonight. God, so I pray that you would speak to us clearly. In Jesus' name, we all sit together, amen. Awesome. A few years ago, I texted a friend and a mentor of mine, and I asked him to listen to a recent message that I had, uh, that I had given And, you know, I was asking for feedback, you know, what I could work on, you know, where I could improve, et cetera. And I told him, I said, I may regret asking you to do this, um, but could you please give me feedback on this? And um, I actually sent him a recording of a message that I felt was really good because I didn't want to send him one that I thought was bad um, because he was kind of out of our context and, and was going to be unbiased and very honest. And so I sent him something that was, I thought was good. Um, well, one critique he gave me was something that I had I had said that I really had said that night that I hadn't really thought about before. In the chunk of scripture that we were reading that night, I came across a, I had come to a verse that was a little difficult. And I said something along the lines of, yeah, I know that's weird. Just don't think about it. And he told me, he's like, no, 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 you want them to think about it and you know that was when it dawned on me that you know though my intentions with that were not bad uh, in saying that i realized when he told me that how dangerous saying that can be right like that you know in saying something like that i had hit right on the problem of anti-intellectual christianity and that is that is far on you know one side of the spectrum that that's far on one side and so i want to elaborate on that the 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 heart of I look so smart with these glasses. The heart, the heart of anti intellectualism says, Don't think about it, and you'll be good. You know, don't think about the hard truths of scripture. Don't don't think too hard about how God created the world. Don't think too hard about how Jonah lived in a whale or how Moses parted the Red Sea or how Jesus raised from the dead. Don't think too hard about what the pastor says. Don't think too hard about the words that you sing. Just don't think and you'll be good. Do you see how dangerous that is? If Christians didn't think, we would believe anything. We would say anything. We would sing anything. And we wouldn't take the time to stop and give any thought to any of it. And that is a dangerous place to be. It's dangerous because when we're there, we can be manipulated, we can be led astray, we can be taken advantage of. And so, so that, is, that is the far end of the spectrum on, on one side. So what about the other side? <coughs> on the other side, or on, on this side we just talked about, it's like, don't think, you'll be good. On the other, people say, all you have to do is think. And that's called rationalism. And so on this side, No need for thought. On this side, no need for God. Because if all you had to do is think, you can figure it all out by yourself. And that is also a very dangerous place to be. Why? Well, if you guys have been walking with Jesus long enough, you know there's not much you can do on your own. If you were left to figure out the things of God by yourself, who knows what kind of things people would come up with. And even more so, that belief can very easily lead you to become very knowledgeable and very well read in the things of God and miss God in the process. So that's far on the left. I just read a book by C.S. Lewis. You know what would a message be without talking about C.S. Lewis? Can I? Can you hand me that water really quick? I'm oh, sorry. <coughs> sorry. Excuse me. Perfect. Um, I just read a book by C.S. Lewis. Um, called The Great Divorce and it is a fictional story um, that depicts heaven and hell and you know, it's like a, a big illustration and basically as the, you know, the story is about this guy who is in hell and he takes a bus to heaven and they make a stop in between the two, they make a stop in between heaven and hell. And as the story goes, the, what, what, what happens is people will leave heaven and they'll try to convince these people that are in between the two to come back with them to heaven and not go back to hell. Like I said, it's just a story. But there is one guy that gets off the bus and this guy, this other dude from from heaven comes and he says, hey, come with me. We're going to see God. We're gonna go see the face of God. And the guy replies and he says, no, I I can't go. I gotta be back in hell next Friday for Bible study. He's like, I got this thought that I really would need to bring up. That is the heart of rationalism. You can at times think and learn so much that you believe you have it all figured out and completely miss Jesus. And so those are the two ends of the spectrum. One side, don't think at all. On the other, all you have to do is think. And so as Christians, we have to find ourselves somewhere on that spectrum. And so as Christians, where we need to fall is somewhere in the middle. We need to pursue knowledge, we need to pursue truth, but along with the help of divine intervention. Because what's true is that the human mind, you know, the human intellect is affected by the fall. Sin has damaged our ability to understand God and understand the things of God. But while sin has affected our mind, our mind is also covered in the blood of Jesus. And so because of the Holy Spirit, we are able to understand truth about God that we otherwise couldn't understand. But that requires some sort of effort on our part. That requires us putting our glasses on. And, and we see the, the, uh, this idea of the, of the Spirit intertwining with the mind throughout Scripture. Romans 8, 6 says, set your mind on the Spirit. Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12.1, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. God wants us to think, but he also wants us to lean on the Holy Spirit. He wants us to use our brain, but to also acknowledge our limited understanding. So if you would, turn to Hebrews chapter five. And while you're turning there, we're gonna look at some verses that will help us see how we can approach this. And I hope that this is so practical for you guys because as complex as the problem is, I believe that it has a very simple solution. So this is Hebrews 5, um, 11 through 14. And if you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. It says this, about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Ouch. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the author of Hebrews here is saying to his audience, he's saying to us tonight, (coughs) that you are to a point where you should know more than you know, which (laughs) kind of stings, right, for sure. But he uses this this imagery of milk versus solid food to describe maturity in Christ. He says, those who who drink milk are children of the faith, unskilled in righteousness. The, The message translation says it this way, People that drink milk are beginners. Milk is for beginners. Milk is for rookies. And so, and, and the solid food on the other side is for those who are experienced in their walk with God. But I want you to know, make sure that you see here, he's not saying milk is wrong. He's saying milk is just for a time. Milk's not wrong, it's just for a time. And so if you're a new believer tonight, by all means, stay on the milk. The, the basic truths of Christianity are, are some of the most powerful. So, but some of us, some of us in here have been walking with Jesus a long time and are still drinking milk. We're doing the same things that we were doing when we got saved at five years old. So tonight it might be time for some of us to grow up and move from just the, the basic truth to the deeper, more solid truths of our faith. Like the author of Hebrews says, some of us should be the ones hand feeding others, but we're too busy still getting hand fed. My son, is, my son is almost seven months old and he is starting to eat solid food for the first time. And it's funny to watch. <clears throat> he makes faces and he chokes sometimes and spits things out. He gets impatient having to chew, you know? And he's also learning how to use his hands to feed himself. And that is also funny to watch because he misses his mouth and he, he drops food everywhere and it takes him a while to finish. Is it easier for him to drink milk? Yes. Is it easier for us to hand feed him? Yes. But he has to learn how to do those things. Why? Well, so that we don't have a 15-year-old one day walking around the house with a bottle of milk in his hand. First of all, he would be malnourished. Second of all, we would go to jail for neglect. And third, that would just be straight up weird. But for some reason, that's how many of us act as Christians. I believe one of the most dangerous things we can do as believers is to let our mind go to waste, to let laziness keep us from maturing in Christ, to let someone hand feed us our entire life. As a Christian, you shouldn't let your mind go to waste. Your mind is a wonderful gift from God. Your your consciousness, your ability to, to reason and think, it's something that science hasn't figured out yet because it is a gift from God. And we should treat it that way. If if Christianity was anti-intellectual, God wouldn't have created the brain. It's clear he wants us to think and reason and solve problems and create. Christians are allowed to be smart. And that's why, because of the conversation I had with that friend and mentor of mine, I want you to think when I preach. You know, that that changed the way that I approach speaking. That's why I don't wanna shy away from the the tough verses or the tough uh, subjects. And that's why we make the word of God a top priority here at Genesis. Last summer when we were uh, preparing for like big changes here at Genesis, you know, and we were having, we were changing pastors, we were changing worship leaders, changing rooms. We used to meet in the room right next to us. When we were doing all of that, we put together a hierarchy of church needs. If you've heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this is the church version. And the word and worship of God is the very foundation of everything that we do. And the reason is because it not only gives you food for your soul, but also food for your mind. So that when you you leave here, you can reconcile God with your life. I would hate for you to leave here, get in the parking lot and drive off and still have no clue how to reconcile God with the problems that you're facing. And that only comes from applying our mind with the Holy Spirit's help to the things of God. And this is what is so beautiful about placing yourself right in the middle of that spectrum, right in the the middle of thinking you could figure it all out and not having to think at all. So for the example, let's use Bill Gates. You guys know who Bill Gates is? He's officially not the richest man in the world anymore. Do You guys know who Jeff Bezos is? Not as many. He started Amazon. Uh, he just took over as the world's richest man. But because we know who Bill Gates is, that's who I'm using. <laughs> Bill Gates is one of the richest men in the world. And a lot of people complain that because Bill Gates is so rich, that that means there is less money for them to have and, you know, you know, like Bill Gates' piece of the pie is so large, then that means their piece of the pie has to be smaller. And that's just not true. It's actually the opposite. Because of people like Bill Gates, the entire economic pie gets bigger because of the jobs he created. And so in the same way, when we start to learn about who God is, it, who God is it's not like we just learn parts of him and move on like pieces of a pie. Like, oh, cool, I completely understand God's grace. Check, moving on. Oh, cool, I completely understand predestination. Awesome, check, moving on. Oh, I completely understand God's sovereignty. Cool, moving on to the next piece. No, it's not like that at all. The more you study God, the bigger you realize God is. The more you study God, the bigger God becomes to you. The more time you spend studying God, the pie doesn't get smaller, it gets bigger. And that's why we can never find ourselves figuring everything out And that's why we will never be satisfied never thinking at all. We gotta find it in the middle. And so I would encourage you to pursue the solid food. Know the Holy Spirit is there to help. And to conclude tonight, I wanna give you some practical ways to do just that. First, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. A good question is very powerful because it, It stretches both parties. Uh, You know, find somebody that you trust. See what they think. Ask them the question. And if you find an answer to your question, always run it through the filter of scripture. I can tell you personally, I welcome all questions. I cannot promise an answer to everything. But if you ever wanna ask me anything, feel free. But I can tell you the smartest people are the most curious people. And a great way to move from milk to solid food is by asking a good question. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Second, don't be afraid to read. In my This is my personal opinion. Reading is the biggest way you can learn more about anything. And the reason is because you get to kind of just get into the mind of very smart people and you still have the freedom to disagree if you want to. Uh, and, I, and I know a lot of people that don't like reading, but if it's something that you want to try, uh, find a book that you you'll enjoy and give it a shot. You know, Most of the time, books that that pastors or Christians write, they are purposely written to be manageable. Um, And so that is a great way to put your own growth into your own hands. But not in my personal opinion. The reading of scripture is absolutely essential in the life of a believer. The reading of scripture is absolutely essential. Creating a daily habit of reading the Bible is the biggest indicator of a mature relationship with Christ. You think about it, you don't survive on one meal a week, and so church by itself is not enough. And so you need to spend time in scripture every day because you need to point yourself to Jesus every day. I was reading in uh, John in my own time uh, last week, and uh, Jesus says in John 5, he says, eternal life does not reside in the scriptures, but the scriptures point to me, and I have eternal life. And so you're not reading the Bible just to read the Bible. You're doing it to get pointed to Jesus, so that's probably the main way to move from milk to solid food. Third, don't be afraid to Google. <laughs> you guys know how to Google, right? Odds are, if you have a tough question or tough dilemma, after 2,000 years of church history, somebody has probably asked it before or experienced it before. And there are great websites and resources that you can use to find answers. And so if you want, if you're taking notes, if you want some examples of these, if you wanna write them down, here they are. The first one is gotquestions.org, G-O-T, gotquestions.org. It is a skin and bones website, but the content is really good. DesiringGod.org, desiringGod.org. And the last one is the gospelcoalition.org, gospelcoalition.org. Those are all reliable places by, ran by reliable people who answer tough questions all the time. And I wanna end on this. Jesus told us to love God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And so love God with your mind by not letting your mind go to waste. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for, again, for bringing us here tonight. I thank you for every single person in this room. And I thank you, that, I thank you, that, uh, I thank you for all that you've done for us. And I thank you that you have sent your son to die for us, God, that, that yeah, our mind's affected by the fall. Our mind is also covered in the blood of Jesus. So God, I thank you that you've given us new life and you, have, you will renew our mind. And so God, we wanna pursue after you with our mind. We don't wanna think we can figure it all out and we never wanna not think at all. God, we wanna lean into your Holy Spirit. We wanna pursue your truth, knowing God, that you're gonna open our eyes. So God, I pray that we make a decision tonight to not to, uh, to add to this myth that Christianity will believe anything and instead, we'll be a bunch of Christians that not only uh, pursue you, but pursue what's true about you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.